Well, this morning, we're beginning a new series grounded in the text that we're going to read. It's a series to show life with Jesus as the center or what it is we're supposed to be doing. If you've ever wondered why things seem so bad and don't add up, this series may be for you. If you feel like when you pray, you're talking to the ceiling, this series might be for you. If you find it difficult to lead the life that Christ desires, this series might be for you. Honestly, if you're simply seeking to follow Christ more fully, this series may be for you. Our series for the next few weeks is entitled Abide, A Life Rooted in Christ. And it's our text this morning in John 15 where we find this series rooted. Uh, the context of this passage is that Jesus has just explained to the disciples that he is leaving and that he's sending the Holy Spirit. He, he's just told them, I'm not going to be here anymore. He's just said, hey, you know, God's preparing a place. I'm going to prepare a place for you so you can be with me. And they're all confused. And he's like, you know where I'm going. He tells them all these things. And the disciples are a little confused. Their leader was going to be gone. What, what do you do when the one who shows you how to do the things you're supposed to do is no longer there? Have you ever, the first time you had to do something on your own? Mama's always been there to cook this meal, and you had to, for the first time, cook it on your own. Is it going to be like Mama's? Is it not going to be like Mama's? Will I still like it? Will I not like it? Those are the questions that, that we always ask. And here, he is explaining how life should be once he leaves. And that's where we pick up here in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit, and prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time. Father, use it for your glory. Use me as a vessel, and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you, and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people said. Jesus starts right off by making the point that he is the source of all life. I am the vine. And the Father is the vineyard keeper. Jesus is the source. He's the one from whom all sustenance flows. He is the root, the main thing, the thing that we have to be tied to. And the Father, he says, is the one who cares for the root. He takes care of the root. He, he assures that it blooms and, and, and does things in perfection. And there are two types of branches he talks about that, that are semi-important, and each is treated in a different way. There's one that produces fruit, that is active, and it's growing, it's fulfilling the call. 
And that branch is pruned, it's cut back, it's trimmed, and it done so that they can be more fruitful. But then you have the unfruitful branches. Those whose life has stagnated. They quit growing. It says they are cut off and removed. Now, this is often preached as a passage of, uh, of salvation and destruction, but that's not really what I read here. When I read this idea of the vine and those who were in and those who were cut off, because really pruning here is the more involved process. Which one do you think is more painful? <laughs> pruning is an ongoing process. It's a shaping. It's a cutting away of the parts that hinder growth. It's when God reaches in and he finds that thing in you that you've been holding on to and he just cuts a little bit of it off. And he just keeps cutting it back until he's got just enough cut back that the growth is there and you are free from that hindrance. It's something that continually happens because when God begins digging around in our lives, it's not always nice. There are times when God says, um, you're holding on to that. You're like, but, but, but God, I, I need that. And Carrie and I got married. <laughs> she uh, had a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm not a stuff person. Um, Everything that I would count mine, I could probably fit in the back of the car right now, except for the TV. I mean, anything that will always go with me wherever I go is small, it's little, it's, it's not very much. But Carrie had stuff. When we moved her out of her dad's house, there was so much stuff. She had a doll cabinet full of dolls that nobody could touch. And it was an awkward shape. So it was rounded on the front and flat on the back, and we had nowhere to put it. But it was special. Then one day, she gave me a birthday card. I read it. I said, thank you. And I threw it away. <laughs> Not what she wanted me to do. But I gave you that. So I read it. I said, thank you. I really enjoyed the message. I'm not going to read it again tomorrow. You're not going to put it in a box somewhere? No. I'm, I'm not going to. But Carrie, she held on to things. And one day, finally, it, it dawned on her after the 17th time we had moved. We, did. we moved 17 times in the first three years of our marriage. The 17th time we moved those dolls in that doll cabinet. She said, nobody ever gets to play with those. Why do we keep moving them? I don't know. And so she decided it was time to get rid of those. It was hard. It was hard fought. But she held on to those because they were special. Because people had given them to her. And she, and she wanted, to, she wanted to, to, to honor their love and honor their gift. But yet at the same time, she knew she needed to let go of this. Because it was just stuff. That's what God does in our life with pruning. He comes in and we, he go, we go, but, but, but God, somebody gave me this and I'm going to hold on to it. Churches are bad about that. I'm probably going to go off to Midland now, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you can't change that stool because my grandma's mother's cousin's sister donated that in 1892. 
And I don't care if anybody can't sit on it anymore because it's falling apart. It was donated. We do that, right? We hold on to these things. But it's a bill. And it's amazing to me that, that we can't make those choices, but yet we can always think if the church building burns down, it's a tragedy, but it's okay because God's in control. But that stool? Absolutely not. God comes in and he says, you know what? Why are you holding on to this? I, I know that hurt you when it happened. And, and I know that, that that makes you very distrusting of, of these people. Let it go. I know that you find safety in, in that number there. But um, that number isn't your security. I am. Let it go. Because the God gets pruning, he begins to open up areas where we can produce fruit. And we can be the person he wishes us to be. Cutting off is quick. It's once it's done, you're thrown out and you with it. That's it. It's quick. Pruning is this continual movement of God in your life. It's a process that does not end this side of death. And so, if you're thinking that at some point God's going to be done with me, not here. He's never going to be done here. He's always moving. He's always pruning. He's always reaching in and meddling and taking those things and making, making us uncomfortable. Jesus says, I'm the vine, abide in me. The word here, the Greek word is minnow. It literally means to remain, to tarry, to sow yarn, to continue in, to be kept in, to live in. Abide literally means to take up residence. Jesus says, move in with me or let me move into your place. To take up residence with. To let me be an integral part of what your life is. Jesus is saying, yeah, live without me just like you have me. That's what he's telling the disciples. I've shown you what to do. I'm not going to be here. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He'll remind you what I told you. But just do what you did with me when I'm not here. Take up residence with me. Abide. Live in who I am. Rest in my personhood. Take up residence in my very nature. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. If you take up residence in me, I'll take up residence in you. I'll remain in you even though you don't see me. I've taken up residence and I'm not leaving. That's what Jesus says. Abide. To live with. It's hard to live with people. I mean... Let's, let's be honest. It's hard to live with your spouse when you first get married, right? It's hard to live with your spouse after 15 years of marriage. After 30 years of marriage. I can keep going. It's like an auction here today because y'all are all going. It's still hard to live with your spouse. It's hard to live with your kids. You love your kids, but your kids are loud. And they're obnoxious. And they ask the same question over and over and over again. And, and, and it's hard. And then it's really hard when, when it's somebody who's not related by blood. I had some roommates. They didn't last long. A month. I was like, no, you got to find your own place. I can't do this anymore. Family comes to visit. It's a three-day maximum. Done. No more. After three days, we're going to have our place back to us. That's the way it works. But Jesus said, take up residence. Let me move in. Let me have that spot.
Let me have the best room in the house. Let me have access to everything. Let me have your internet history. Let me have what you watch and what you read. Let me have all of those things. You know, I, I see these people on Facebook who try to make fun of people who, when spouses steal each other's passwords, I don't care. I ain't got nothing to hide. I am who I am. It's Papa, right? I am who I am. That's all that I am. That's, that's who I am. And if she wants to see it, she can see it. And if, if, if she wants to know what I said, I'll tell you what I said. Here it is. Jesus says, abide in me. Why? Because you can do nothing apart from Jesus. Can't do anything apart from me. What? But, well, Troy, there are people out there living without Jesus right now. They're doing stuff, but they're not doing what they need to be doing. They're not producing the fruit. You can't do anything apart from me. You can't produce fruit apart from me. Abide in me, because without me, you can do nothing. Just as a branch has to produce fruit on its own, you can't do anything without me. And then he elaborates. I'm the vine and you are the branches. I'm the source. I'm the root. The place where your sustenance lives. And you are the workers who bear the fruit. I feed you and you produce fruit. Much fruit. That's back to the pruning, right? The Father says you can bear much fruit. Producing fruit's never going to be easy. We want our world to be a magic formula for producing fruit, right? If I just tell them about Jesus, they're going to fall in love like I did, and it'll be good. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you can tell them about Jesus, and they'll start bringing up some ancient Egyptian god. And oh, we borrowed it from there. I'll argue with you about that later. I'm going to love you instead right now. Because argument doesn't do any good. For us to produce fruit, God has to clear the junk out of our lives. He has to take all that stuff out, that sin and that greed and that selfishness and everything else. He has to clear it out. And those who abide in Jesus will produce fruit. And those who don't have another faith, they're cut off, withered, gathered, and thrown into a fire. Now, what does that mean? It's easy to come to this passage and say, well, obviously he's talking about hell. But I don't think so. I don't know that the passage upholds that. I am the true vine, my father is the vineyard. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. I don't think you can be in Jesus and then be taken out of Jesus. I don't think you're going to lose your salvation. I don't think that's what this is talking about here. You don't lose your identity as a believer. If you abide at once, you know Jesus. So what does it mean? You don't lose your identity, but you lose your function. Those who do not continue in Jesus become unfruitful. They wither and they're gathered and they're burned. The branch becomes worthless. They're no longer fulfilling the function that God has called them to. It isn't that you're no longer a Christian. It means that you're a worthless Christian. Ouch. A worthless Christian. That you're not good for anything. They've ceased being productive members of the kingdom and find themselves cut off from the source. Jesus also says what? You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? To be thrown out and trampled on. 
If he's talking to the disciples and saying, you are the salt, but they're in danger of not being salty anymore, it's not about them losing their salvation. Their salvation is guaranteed because they know Jesus. He's talking about the worthiness of who they are. He's talking about weak Christianity. Impotent Christianity. Commercial Christianity. A Christianity that no longer serves its function. So God cuts the dead Christianity out so it's not taking life away from the living Christianity. So if you have believers who aren't doing what they're supposed to do, they're taking away energy. We've all known those people, right? They come to church every time the doors are open, but their face is always turned down. And they're always negative. And it just feels like you watch them walk in that door and you walk out this door because you just don't want to be a part of that. That's what's going on. These people who aren't living in the source, the cuttings of a vineyard, unless they're regrafted in, a la Paul in Romans, the cuttings are no good except to burn. Over in Ezekiel 15, I didn't mark it, I shouldn't have marked it. Over in Ezekiel 15, Ezekiel says almost the exact same thing. It's a small chapter in the book of Ezekiel, and he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, how does the wood of the vine, that branch among the trees of the forest, compare to any other wood? Can wood be taken from it to make something useful? Or can anyone make a peg from it to hang things on? In fact, it is put into the fire as fuel. The fire devours both of its ends and the middle is charred. Can it be useful for anything? Even when it was whole, it could not be made into a useful object. How much less can it ever be made into anything useful when the fire has devoured it and it's charred? Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire as fuel, so I will give up the residents of Jerusalem. And I will turn against them. They may have escaped from the fire, but it will still consume them. And you will know that I am Yahweh when I turn against them. I will make the land desolate because they have acted unfaithfully. This is the declaration of the Lord God. <laughs> and God comes back and brings Israel back to the promised land again. Cuts them off. Paul says in Romans they'll be regrafted, right? So. In the context of Scripture, I don't know what he's talking about hell. He's talking about worthless Christianity. He's talking about people who have decided that, well, I don't need Jesus to do the things of Jesus. As long as I check off that list on the Sunday school, good. Brought Bible, check. Attended, check. Gave time, check. What else is on there? I don't but as long as I do that, I'm good. But Jesus says that's the kind of branch that he cuts off and it becomes worthless. It's not good for anything but burn. Which should be a scary place to be. Nothing we want to be more than a not be more than a worthless Christian. Right? I mean, when you get there, you don't want Jesus to say, so-so job, my good and faithful servant. Go ahead and enter in. I don't want to be one of those who gets there by as though singed by fire. That's it. 
See, I can do a little more Bible with this, right? You're going to make it, but you're barely going to make it. When we build fires at home, fire doesn't really scare me, but my family, can I help? Sure. And they walk up to the fireplace and throw a log. It's like, you got to put it in for it to burn. And it's, it's the adult, other adults in the house, and the kids. It's not just the kids. They don't want to be burned by the fire. I don't want to be burned by the fire. I don't want to be one of those who makes it in by the skin of my teeth. Nobody wants that. It's worthless Christianity. You know, the secret to power in the Christian life is abiding. That's the secret to power. You've got to be plugged into the source. Those who abide in Jesus have the power and resources God wants to provide. You have that at your fingertips. At, at the mention of a word, you just call on Jesus and he will give you the things that you need. And those who aren't are cut off from those resources. I think I mentioned last week that I get my pet peeve as people on Facebook who want to live a life completely devoid of God, but talk about how much God is blessing them. They're everywhere they shouldn't be for all the wrong reasons, but God has blessed me with this new car. No. You may have a blessing, and God may be the source of it, but you can't claim God's blessing if you're not claiming God. You're cut off from those resources, according to Jesus. The entire continent of Europe is experiencing stagnation in its churches. The entire, entire continent. The place where, honestly, the Christianity that we follow came from. <laughs> they got on a boat and came over. And now, they've got great cathedrals that sit in here. They've got a whole generation who doesn't give anything to the church or anything to God because... For centuries, they were made to pay a church tax to the government. People are not abiding in Christ, and they're letting, not letting Christ abide in them to penetrate their being. Jesus wraps it up by saying, "What if you abide? Anything you ask will be done." Ooh. Wow. Anything, Brother Troy? Anything. But if you're abiding in Jesus, you're not going to ask for the things you're thinking about when you're not abiding in Jesus. That Lamborghini is not going to be as important to you when you're abiding in Jesus. Power in the Christian life comes from being close to Jesus, abiding in Jesus, living with Jesus. Without Him, we produce nothing that is worth anything. It's by abiding in Him that we produce the fruit that He calls for. Psalms tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers work in vain. We can do all the little things that we want to do in our lives, in this church, or in this community, but if God's not building it, it's not worth anything. And it's not going to do what it needs to do. When He penetrates our soul and we rest 
and remain in his life and who he is, we have access to the greatest power ever known in the history of the world. We get all excited about the gospel miracles. But I get more excited about the miracles in the book of Acts. Because those were normal guys. And including the dude who denied Jesus three times and then raised the dead. The greatest power the world has ever known when we abide in him. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what it really means to abide in Jesus. But this morning, our question is, what kind of branch are you? Are you producing fruit? Are you constantly being pruned? Are you uncomfortable in the things that God is asking you to do and to give up? Or are you unfruitful? Have you been cut off? Are you wondering why your life seems so bad? Are you in the Bible? Are you wondering why everything seems hollow? Are you in the Bible? The good news is, if you've been cut off, you can be grafted back in. You can be put right back in those resources. It doesn't take much. There was a song back in the 90s, maybe it was the 80s, I don't know, I heard it in the 90s, called by Petra. I know Petra. Some of us know Petra. You know, Petra was that good old Christian, I don't even know what to call it, because they changed their music so much over the years. But there was a song called Just Reach Out. And it said, just reach out, he'll reach in, take your broken heart and make it whole again. But there's a verse in that song that makes me just want to cheer every time I hear it. You say that you've walked 10,000 steps away, but don't you know that it's only one step back? Because the Lord that hears you when you pray is the one who's there beside you and he never walks away. That is the truth of Jesus and we can be grafted back in. If we find ourselves floundering and we don't know what's going on, we're not abiding. We're not where we need to be. Because even if things are falling apart when you're abiding in Jesus, you don't feel like things are completely out of control because you know that God is in control. Maybe this morning, you've never been a branch. Maybe this morning, you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken that step. But wherever you're at this morning, the message is the same. The way to have a transformed life is to abide in Jesus. Maybe this morning you've been struggling. Maybe you've been struggling with abiding because sometimes it just seems like there's just too much to do. There's just too much. I don't, I don't know that I want to give that up. God's asking me for something I'm not sure I'm ready for yet. He'll meet you where you are. Take a step. He'll change you. I've never been one to, to point out individual sins and say, hey, you've got to change. Because God will tell you it's time to change. The Bible says it's a sin. I'll tell you the Bible says it's a sin. But God will be the one to change you. Maybe this morning, you want to pray, the altar's open, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start your visions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you want to rededicate your life. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to abide with him. 
So now will be a great day as we start this new year, to start this new year with Jesus. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. 